Hello, and thank you for joining us today on Workforce Institute Radio. I'm Joyce Maroney, Executive Director of the Workforce Institute at Kronos, and today we're continuing the series of podcasts I'm hosting on key ideas from our most recently published book, which is Being Present, a practical guide for transforming the employee experience of your frontline workforce. Our book is a practical guide comprised of chapters contributed by our terrific Board of Advisors on how to transform the employee experience of your frontline workforce with a special focus on jobs that require the employee to be physically present to do their job. So think about the cashier at the retail store, the home healthcare worker, or the barista at your favorite coffee shop. My guest today is Alexandra Levitt. Alexandra is a business and workplace author, speaker, consultant, and futurist. A former nationally syndicated columnist for the Wall Street Journal and writer for the New York Times, Fast Company, and Forbes, Alexandra has authored several books, including the international bestseller, They Don't Teach Corporate in College, and uh, a more recent book, Humanity Works, Merging People and Technologies for the Workforce of the Future. Her chapter in our book focuses on the future of education. More specifically, she challenges leaders to think differently about the credentials they're requiring of their workers, as well as the channels they are using to develop workers on the job. And um, today we'll also talk about a topic that's not in the chapter, but I think is very much on people's minds. And, and that is how the surge in remote work and frankly, remote education due to the COVID-19 pandemic changing uh, the future of work even more significantly as, as we look forward past the pandemic itself. So Alex, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Joyce. It's great to be back chatting with you. Exactly, um, especially where we are both homebound uh, due to the pandemic. Yes, so, we are. Yes, so let's move on um, to our questions. And I'm going to start by asking you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself and why you were interested in contributing this topic to the book. Okay, well, I began my career um, in a fairly traditional way. I graduated from a typical four-year college, uh, Northwestern University here in Chicago, which is where I'm talking from today. And I went out into the business world really unprepared with the skills I would need to be successful. I had learned things like math and liberal arts, but I had not learned things like making a good first impression and being diplomatic and problem solving and being agile. And these are things, unfortunately, I had to learn the hard way with several years of setbacks on the job. And so after this happened to me, I finally took some personal and professional development courses and decided to write a book called They Don't Teach Corporate in College, which was making the connection between the education that we receive in school and what's really necessary to be successful in the work world. And much to my uh, to pleasure and surprise, that very first book did well. And I was able to launch a new career as somebody who advocated for young people in particular. Later, I expanded to um, people who were a bit more seasoned, but to, to help people who were just graduating from school figure out exactly what they need to do to be successful. And of course, it led me to an ongoing adjacent interest in education because Naturally, I wanted to help universities and help even high schools and junior highs and elementary schools to some degree prepare their students with the skills that they're going to need to 
transition into a workforce that's increasingly complex. It's it's increasingly agile and you need to change on a dime. You need to be flexible and it's increasingly independent in that when I graduated from college, I had a manager looking over my every move. I was in an office nine hours a day, every single day and was very much handheld through the experience of my first couple jobs. And now we see that both with the pandemic and, and probably afterwards, young people are not going to have that experience. They are going to have to figure out a lot of stuff on their own. And so that is one of the reasons I think our chapter is very important because it talks about the ways in which education is transforming to become more individualistic, uh, more bite-sized and more self-driven. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, entered the workforce I, I think uh, a good 10 to 20 years before you did and was fortunate in my first entree into the tech world to work for a firm where I had essentially a 16 to 18 month educational you know guided accompanied educational experience to train me how to be uh, a technical um, basically a, a technical sales resource I was a programmer I did business analysis to figure out what to program but the company made a tremendous investment in my development so that when I was let loose on the world I had skills and had had essentially an internal internship on how to do my job and I think I think most companies are not um, investing in education at that level today so that that has been a really big change I would say in in our mutual lifetimes mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's so let's, yeah so let's talk about the focus of your chapter which for any of our listeners it, it's terrific and has a, a lot of very specific actionable advice in it but when you think about the focus to your chapter, what are the, the key pieces of advice and key takeaways uh, that readers should expect to get from your chapter of this book? Absolutely. So the future of education is a broad topic that could encompass an entire book. But given that we only had one chapter, I decided to focus on the issues that I felt uh, were most important for people who are in the business world to keep in mind. And so really we start off by talking about how traditional schools are evolving to meet the needs of the modern workforce. We look at alternative education methods like micro credentials and certifications. And we talk about ways in which those are now moving with the employee. So it's not limited to a very specific situation you might have with a company. Uh, we talk a little bit about how schools and companies are partnering to close skills gaps, which in many cases involves involvement with the company and the student before they even graduate. So it might involve a partnership at the high school or junior high level, for example. We talk about how to use that strategy to improve your talent pipeline. And then the final topic that we talk about is learning agility, because that is a new skill set that is relatively fresh. And of course, today is more critical than ever, given the, the environmental circumstances that we now face ourselves, that we now find ourselves facing. So we talk about how leaders can emphasize this in their workforces. And the other the thing that we talk about when we discuss essential skills is what are known as applied technology skills, which really involves using people, processes, data, and devices to make intelligent business decisions. Again, something that's come up very recently is being critical. How can we ensure business continuity by 
leveraging all the technology we have at our disposal. Well, that's a skill, knowing exactly what's available to you and how to get business done anyway, even though things have changed radically in just the space of a few weeks. So applied technology skills, learning agility, two absolutely essential skills that the future of education is addressing. So Alex, how do you think following the advice in your, your chapter can help a leader and their organization be more successful? Well, I, I think that, first of all, understanding that the future of education is going to be self-directed, it's going to be multifaceted, and it will really represent the, the changing face of how we acquire skills as humans. And the most important lesson here, I think, is that we have the ability to adapt to new ways of learning. And we will always have a way to add value to our organizations as long as we keep that mindset um, it kind of in the back in our back pocket. I think having an overall sense of how education has evolved, what you need to do as a leader to ensure that your people are in the best position to both refresh their existing skills and to identify new skills, some of which we haven't even discovered. I think that uh, that's probably all you can do at this point. And by the way, the COVID-19 self-isolation and quarantine environment is a really great opportunity, not just to enhance your own learning, but to give some deep thought to how you can help your organization advance learning. It's, it's one of those topics that's really essential, but sometimes we're so busy putting out fires that we don't take the time to emphasize it. And while we have some breathing room and while we, we have this time, I think it's a really valuable thing to focus on. So as you're, I mean, the, the COVID is affecting everybody's world right now, everybody's life in the world. Um, as you're reflecting on, on what's happening um, for you and your family personally in, in your city, in the world, um, are you finding that your point of view on the future of education, is, is it being shaped in any different ways as a result of, I mean, frankly, what is a, a big surge of remote work and remote education that's, that's going on in the world right now with little to no preparation for most people who are affected by these trends? Joyce, I, I love that you asked that. And my answer to that is actually the same as what it would be for most topics that are related to the future of the workforce that I have been discussing for a couple of years now. So uh, people have asked me, for example, you know, how, has your point of view changed on remote work? Has your point of view changed on the employee experience? And so when it comes to education, my answer is similar. And that's that we are actually going to see exactly the things that um, my point of view uh, finds, <laughs> finds to be critical. Um, it just in an accelerated fashion. So there's nothing necessarily new about what I would recommend or what I think is going to happen. It's more about the speed in which it's happening. So the, the fact of the evolution of education where we are now seeing students get an experience that's more personalized and informal, using in-classroom technology for kids to learn at their own pace, select topics of interest to them, working on a project solo and then displaying your, your findings to your parents or your teachers and your peers, 
teachers replacing the rigid form of homework with more free form instruction to read or talk with your parents and friends about what you're learning. I mean, these are things that we were talking about in the chapter that were all relevant and starting to happen before COVID and are happening in earnest now. In fact, where we were seeing pockets of schools doing things like this, now it's pretty universal across the world. Students are learning like this. And so that's just an example, one small example of how things are being accelerated. Um, it's not necessarily different than what we thought was going to happen. It's just far, far more quick. Yeah, I was I was talking to um, my daughter this morning, who's a business continuity manager for a large firm, and and of course it, this is all she's doing all day long right now, is is figuring out risks and and risk mitigation for her firm. But we were talking about how you know the impact of this event also exposes a lot of the fundamental weaknesses in in processes in people's ways of doing things and and you know one thing that i am hearing from teachers i know is that you know that if there's if there's a silver lining it's that you know they they get to know the the family situations of the their students a bit more because you know parents can are, are being involved in what's going on but i think it also you know highlights the importance of the community and the additional resources um, that that students um, are getting out of the schools as an institution, and and you know in some cases, it it comes down to some really basic things like some students in our general area are getting three meals a day at school, and so the schools are you know are hustling and working with the local governments. Um, you know, to, to replace those in real life experiences like food distribution that that can't happen remotely. So, Alex, when you think about the advice that you put out there in your chapter, is, is there a success story or certain success stories you've experienced that have shaped your point of view about the future of work? Well, there's a couple. I mean, first of all, it's just totally inspiring to note what uh, both departments of education are doing, um, what universities are doing. I mean, the Department of Education in Florida and Arkansas, for example, um, are making um, micro-credential partnerships with school districts um, where they partner perhaps with companies like Kettle Moraine and, um, and Dysart United to ensure that people are developing the skills that they need to be successful to work in those particular functions. And I love what's happening with universities like MIT and Harvard, which are establishing nonprofit online educational offerings to provide free versions of their coursework. Um, MIT's got a, a cool thing called Digital Plus, which is providing unique certificates to employees whose organizations sponsor them. I love the, uh, the company called Degreed, which is being used by many Fortune 500 companies 
and offers employees these portable professional development opportunities. So when I talk about portable micro-credentials or certifications, I'm referring to things that go with the employee. So you might leave an organization, even that if that organization sponsored you, you can show other organizations that you have proof that you have acquired a particular skill. So there's many examples of things that, that were already happening prior to the, the pandemic which we're going to see, I, th I think, increasing because as, as we said earlier, this is a matter of speed and necessity. So where these things were kind of nice to have before and they sort of made sense, now they're essential. And I think we can look to the school districts and the, the organizations that are, are really innovating in this space and look for ways to, uh, to really spread the wealth and spread the knowledge on more of a wide scale. So I know, you know, you do a lot of speaking, you do a lot of consulting to firms who are, you know, interested in in changing their practices and readying their workforces for the, the future of what whatever it is that their particular business and organization may hold. Um, so what, what do people tell you are some of the common challenges they face in doing so and, and what's the advice you give them? Well, I think that uh, one of the most common challenges is not being able to accurately assess performance when you can't keep such a close eye on people. Um, people, again, and I mentioned this briefly before, have to be a lot more independent. This goes for students and employees. And that's a model that I don't think is familiar to a lot of people who've been in the workforce for a decent period of time. It's something that, that those of us who've been working from home and working remotely for years, we really have a handle on how to prioritize and how to balance home and work responsibilities. But a lot of people are being thrust into this for the first time and companies are finding themselves in the position of having to educate them and having a steep learning curve with really no leeway to uh, <laughs> to help people kind of along. And, and then of course you just have the immediate crises that have to be dealt with. So I, that, that's one of the things that I'm hearing is that how, how to manage this, how to have policies in place that are somewhat uniform. Again, this is not something that is new. I've been recommending this for years, but a lot of companies still don't have it. So now they've got their entire workforces working remotely and they have no kind of rhyme or reason for how they're conducting themselves. So that's something that I think people are, are having to scramble a bit to, to get in place. Fortunately, it's very easy to get a quick flex work or remote work policy in place, just a matter of taking a couple hours and getting some advice and, and sitting down and doing it. And the other thing that I'm hearing that I think will permanently shape the future of work is the long-term psychological impact of this coronavirus crisis. I think what we are seeing is, is the necessity now of focusing on our employees as complete people. And not again, not that this is new, not that this wasn't happening at all before, but I think it's happening on a different scale now where it's just such a treacherous, dangerous situation that we know that our people are doing the best they can and we really do care for their lives as in total, not just what they can offer to the organization. And I think we're gonna see that really impact the future of the employee experience because it's not gonna be something, Joyce, that we can just take away once this immediate crisis has passed. Once we develop those stronger relationships with our employees, I think that's gonna be around to stay. And I think ultimately it's going to be a good thing. Yeah, I was I was speaking to somebody um, yesterday who said, you know, any of these flex work um, policies, arrangements, et cetera, they have to start 
with a level of trust. And I think that's what's getting tested right now. You know, do you trust your employees that they, they care about getting the job done? They care about supporting their teammates. They care about, you know, still delivering good quality work, whether they're, you know, present and, and being observed in doing so, or whether they're, you know, getting that done at home or on some kind of, you know, flexible schedule. And, and that's really what it comes down to is, have the best policy in the world, but if you don't fundamentally trust your employees and for that matter, involve them in working out these solutions, you're going to be hard pressed to have a successful, um, you know, flexibly working workforce. Yep. That, that's right. And trust is really kind of at the, the heart of everything, if you really think about it. And that's, that goes back to the, really the same theme of, of the discussion, which is the acceleration. It's the acceleration of the trust mandate that yep. people are going to do the best they can and we're just going to have to take their word for it in many yeah. cases before we would have demanded proof and we would have asked the people show up and we want to look at them and we want to make sure that they're on task well we can't do that right now and so i think it's going to permanently alter that employee employer relationship ultimately for the better because the fact is we do have this technology to do exactly what we're doing right now. And there's not a whole lot of sense in going back to the old model, which has a lot of overhead, uh, a lot of mishigas that isn't necessary. And this is probably how things were going to evolve anyway. This is just um, kickstarted it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, Alex, as you, you reflect on the chapter that you wrote, you know, frankly, probably close to a year ago and, and where we are now, do you, do you have any parting uh, thoughts that you would like to leave with our audience? I mean, I guess, Joyce, what we haven't covered yet is emerging learning technologies. And I would advise leaders that now is a really good time. Again, this is one of those things where once you're past the immediate crisis of keep, keeping your area of the business running, which I understand just a few weeks into the crisis, a lot of us are still focused on. But once the immediate crisis passes, but we're still doing social distancing. You're not going to have a commute. You're not going to have a lot of extra meetings. You're not going to have a lot of extra travel. So use this as an opportunity to experiment with new tech-based learning vehicles. And these can be things like augmented reality or virtual reality, um, gamification, using simulation. I, I, we, could, we probably don't have time to go into what each one of those things is right now, but I encourage people to, to use this as a time of innovation. How can you impart these new skill sets to your employees? So I've, I've mentioned too, apply technology skills and learning agility. Maybe you've never addressed these things before, but they've never been more important. So how can you use the available technology to get that across to a remote and increasingly distributed workforce? Well, Alex, Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, be here today and to share your expertise with our listeners. To those listeners, thanks for joining us. You can join the conversation at workforceinstitute.org. And until next time, um, stay healthy and thanks so much for listening.